So I'm late to the game, I feel like. How's that? But I finally saw Captain Marvel yesterday afternoon. Oh my goodness. Have y'all seen it yet? Yes. No. Of course. Okay. Oh, I looked over at Michael feeling like that's where I was going to get. The last movie I saw was Lego Movie 2. So, okay, or at least okay. in the theater. Uh, um, yeah. uh, so, Michael. Uh, so good. What were your thoughts? Oh, I loved it. The story itself has a just this thematic thing of, of basically just this woman being brought up in in an empire that she doesn't know is not her home. Mm. And but she's used yeah. to all of that. She's used to this empire. She's used to that she she's a soldier for this empire. She uh she, you know, is is extremely uh, loyal to this empire, but then when she starts to kind of see go outside that box of that empire, and starts to see things, and also starts to mm-hmm. see like her own origins that she's actually from a different place and all this kind of stuff. Um, it's it's just this wonderful idea of like being brought up, being told you are one thing, but then discovering no, I'm actually something else, and and it, mm. and it wrestles with this, and I and I love that it's it does that in the case of a woman. Mm-hmm. superhero because that has historically happened to women so much we yeah. women are told that they are one thing from birth uh, but then you know so many uh, women have to reach that point in life sometimes where I have to find that within me where no 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 like god created me for something so much bigger than even others see um and so that's a pretty amazing thing at being a person who grew up like being told myself that women shouldn't mm-hmm. be pastors. Mm. Um, that's what really resonated with me is I was yeah. just like every female clergy needs to come see Captain yes. Marvel <laughs> and use it in sermons. <laughs> and I just, it was, it's a great movie. Yeah. And there's even this, like, I, I think there were so many beautiful moments along it too, that lifted up in a different way where, where if you have been a part of the Marvel universe, if you have watched these other movies and you see classic um, tropes that males will naturally fall into and you then expect this trope to play out again with Captain Marvel, but she doesn't because mm-hmm. she's a female. Mm-hmm. And the, so there's even this moment where, um, you know, I think it's kind of towards the end of the movie and you think, oh, you're going to get one more big fight scene. It's going to be this incredible thing between, you know, the um, Captain Marvel and this person who she's looked up to for so long is kind of her leader and realizing that there's this break in that. And he's like, okay, you know, because he realizes he can't take on her superpower, but he could take her on just hand-to-hand combat. Um, instead, she just uses her superpower um, and then walks up to him and says, I have nothing to prove to you. And it's just like, like, I'm not going to resort to violence because I don't have anything to prove. So but there was this there was this moment in the movie, too, where her soldier gear that she wears right for this empire she's brought up in is no longer the colors that she wants to represent. And so there's this little mm. girl who she realizes she knew before, even if she had forgotten. And so she asks the little girl to help her find her color scheme, right? Like, Mm. what color should I wear now? And in that moment, I thought about how much a costume can tell a story. 
And so I was in Big Bend last week, right? And um, lost in the wilderness. So much so that when um, Patrick uh, got a flat in his tire on a dirt road, and thankfully we were able to um, take his wounded vehicle the like three to five more miles we had to go to where we were staying. Where we were staying, the lady, she's, she said, oh, my, my, um, my guy will be out. He can help you. When he got there the next morning, he walked up, and um, before I describe him, I, I kind of want you to paint your own picture in your head. So I want you in your head to kind of picture not the main character, but one of the old cowboys that's going to show up in this Western okay. movie. And what are things big that stash. you see? Okay, a big mustache. Uh-huh. What else? That leathery, weathered skin. Yes, like yeah. the really deep wrinkles. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like wearing all black. Okay. Holes in the jeans, but not fashionable holes in the jeans, just okay. worn out from life. A little cigarillo in his, <laughs> his okay. mouth, like okay. a spaghetti western. Uh-huh. Is he wearing a I hat? I feel like, are we missing? Well, yeah, of course. I thought that yeah, was assumed. Well, I thought that was just that. assumed. Yes. So, so y'all just described Carl. The the leathery skin, the deep around the eyes. He was he wasn't wearing all black, but he was wearing a black shirt. His jeans had holes on them. His hat was so old that you just thought, and it was so well worn. Like you could tell he wore it daily. And when he lifted his hat off of his head, his hair stayed perfectly in place. The jeans had holes in them, and and I swear at one moment. He took the hat and, you know, wiped it across the jeans and you could see the dust kind mm. of just pop off of the jeans. Um, and he had a cigarette hanging out of his mouth as he got out of the car. And, and he was wonderful and he got his set on his on our ways. And I just I felt like I needed to shake his hand or something to say thank you and express my gratitude. And I reached out my hand and and he reached his back out and you could just tell that like the dirt was just stained on the Mm. skin kind of thing. Um, But I feel like in movies, the costume and makeup department would have to spend hours to make an actor or an actress look like Carl. Mm. Whereas there are people who genuinely... Their, their stories are just part of their very makeup. And, and that is what we are wrestling with this week on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. Thank you for joining us. I am Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I am non-Pastor Michael. Today we are looking at Luke chapter 13 through 15, and at the very core, the very beginning of this time in conversation is this text where Jesus demands real life change. Mm-hmm. He, he, he demands the transformation of our very hearts and lives, the, the lived nature of the gospel. So just as the dirt in Carl's hands was second nature in that point of his life, this life that is different because of the power of the gospel is so second nature, so embedded as a part of we are of who we are, that 
it would take hours to try to just replicate a, a figment of it, a yeah. false version of it along the way. Um, one of the things that I love about this is that Jesus raises this expectation, right? Mm-hmm. This high expectation of life change and transformation. and But he also makes sure that we know that there's grace available. There is hope available. There is help available along the way. This week, we're looking at how Jesus told stories. And one of the types of stories that Jesus told was a parable. And if you look at the sixth verse of Luke chapter 13, we see Jesus launching into one of his shorter parables. Yeah. Um, it says that Jesus tells this parable of a man who owned a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and, and found none. He said to his gardener, look, I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree for the past three years, and I've never found any. Cut it down. Why should I continue to deplete the soil's nutrients? Then the gardener responded, Lord, give it one more year. I'll dig around it and give it fertilizer. Maybe then it will produce fruit next year. If not, then you can cut it down. Jesus tells this story of of expectation, but also care. Yeah. Where there is this presence of the gardener, the intervener, where we may have had many seasons or moments in our lives where we haven't fully lived into the expectation, and yet there is that intervener, there is that caretaker, there is that person who won't leave us hanging along the way, who says... Let me pour into them a little bit more. And then there's grace in that space afterwards to to continue to live into that. I love all that you just kind of captured there, right? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like the amount that you captured, and I bet you could go on about the story. I'm a preacher. I can keep talking. You could keep going on about that. And yet... Not a monologue, though. What is the... Like, it's just two, three verses that the story comes in at that, you know, I think one of the things that I was captured by when when really honing in on this idea of, of Jesus as a storyteller mm. um, is how masterful he is at storytelling. That mm. it takes him a couple verses here that um, in verses 18 through 20, he's going to Tell not quite a parable, maybe, but ask some questions that also hint at these stories of of what is the kingdom of God like? To what can I compare it? It's like a mustard seed that someone took and planted in a garden. It grew and developed into a tree, and the birds in the sky nested in its branches. And then the same kind of repetition with the idea mm-hmm. of yeast growing mm-hmm. in the in the hidden place. And Jesus needs, you know two sentences to tell a story in which we can talk about on and on and on yeah. about the nature of, of God, uh, the nature of Christ as that intervener on our behalf in the fig story, or as the power of just that small little belief in the kingdom, or what happens when we allow a mustard seed's worth amount of um, of the kingdom of God to come into earth. Also how, how we are invited to, um, 
as he's describing kind of this way that God looks at us uh, as as uh, giving us that grace for growth. Yeah. Also inviting us to see each other uh, as giving each other grace for growth. Like when you when you see somebody who you you have decided, you know, this person has no fruit. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this tree out and toss it away. Uh, you know, God invites us to say, take a minute and ask mm. yourself. Do you believe that that growth can be there? Yeah. Um, do you believe that it just needs a little fertilizing? And mm-hmm. where is your place in that in that kind of fertilizing for that person in your life? So, yeah, it's as you say, it's Jesus is this amazing storyteller that tells these stories that you can approach from all these different angles and see all these different things. That's why we can read the Bible and especially his parables over and over and over and over again and see new things depending on on where we're coming from. Have y'all ever cooked with mustard seeds before? No. Okay, so you you know, like we know that they're They're very, very tiny, right? So I've actually cooked with them before. There was this one specific recipe for salmon that we actually used to cook in my family is for this like Indian take on salmon. Um, And it was delicious and awesome, but it required all these spices that you crust the salmon mm. with before you cook it and all these spices you have to heat up on the stove and kind of toast them together and whenever you would make it so we had eaten it many times I had helped cook it many times but one time in high school I decided like oh I'll be the one to make it and we had this fine mesh just kind of um, circular um, disc that had a, um, a handle on it and you would set it over. You would hold it over as you're toasting so you could see and watch the spices toast. Well, the reason you needed that fine mesh is, is if you didn't have it there, the mustard seeds were the first ones to pop out of the pan. Hmm. And I um, I knew this, but I was, I was being um, not very careful with the fine mesh piece over the stove. And one... Um, popped out and embedded itself in a pore of my arm. Oh, oh man. That's how small they are, though. And I mean, it, it, you know, I rubbed my hand on it, it popped right back out. I'm fine. It was fine. But still, like, that's, <laughs> I feel like Michael needed that, that assurance. That, I'm okay. That story <laughs> took a turn. <laughs> so, in, in my house growing up, that fine mesh thing yeah. was what you put over the bacon pan so you weren't splattered oh, by yep. grease. There yeah. you go. We weren't cooking Indian <laughs> salmon, we were cooking bacon. Um, but we didn't even want to get burned the same yeah, way, right? That yeah. grease pops up and, and scalds you real good. Mm-hmm. Although Jesus doesn't say uh, the kingdom of God is like the bacon grease that just pops up and burns you, which I guess oh, is probably a good thing. It would uh, be a, a bad image for the kingdom of God along the way. Uh, one of the things that, that I think I'd imagine and you learned when you cooked that is that when you cooked it one time, you cooked it again, and you cooked it again, you learn lessons each time you cook it, oh, right? Yeah. That, that there's power in that repetition. And, mm-hmm. and part of the beauty of Jesus as a storyteller is that he tells stories that we can come at over and over again and, yeah. and learn from through that repetition over and over again. But one of the other things that happens is if you've noticed, we've, we're about ha- halfway through our Lucan journey here, right? We've, right? we've read a big chunk of the Gospel of Luke, and, and you may have found yourself along this journey going, didn't this happen already? <laughs> Haven't we been here already? I mean, we are in the midst of Luke's 
chapters 13 through 15 today, and and in this section, Jesus heals on the Sabbath twice Mm -hmm. in the presence of religious leaders, in the presence of the Pharisees. One of the healings happens while he's eating dinner at the Pharisee's house, Mm. right? And and so if anything is uncool and off limits, you know, if there's any time where Jesus is not supposed to do that, it's when he's eating dinner with the Pharisees at their place. He's a guest (laughs) and he's poking the bear, right? He's saying, whatever can I do to violate your expectations, right? I'm going to do that right now. But that repetition piece, right? It's sometimes it's in the stories that are told. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's in Jesus affirming his mission, his call in the Gospel of Luke. Often it's in these healing stories that show up over and over and over again. But that repetition has power, and I think it has purpose. Mm. Have you all ever taught before? Yes. Yes. We uh, had conversations with some of our school teachers the other, the other day, and and in conversation with them, they reminded me that it takes. 21 hearings of something on a normal basis for it to really sink in. <laughs> and, and, and we can we can take that as, as disheartening <laughs> in our intellectual capacity, right? Or we can hear it as just a word of teaching and see when we see Luke hitting something again and again and again, when we see Jesus teaching using stories that we can encounter again and again and again, I think there's purpose to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's power in it. I think it's part of that being a master tor- storyteller mm-hmm. that you mentioned a little bit ago. Yeah, and then you, at the end of chapter 13, I think you also see something that Jesus is really gifted at doing, which is is blending that story into real life. Mm-hmm. That moment um, at the end of chapter 13 in verses 31 through 34 or 35, where Jesus is once again kind of looking out at Jerusalem and begins to kind of say, uh, you know, he's, he's so fed up with the Pharisees, I feel like, at this point. <laughs> and uh, the Pharisees are saying, um, go get away from here because Herod wants to kill you. You know, like, stop being our, you know, code word, stop being our problem because Herod, Rome is now out to get you, right? And I love Jesus's response of, go tell that fox. Yeah. Not that Herod Herod was just really attractive. (laughs) He's not foxy. Uh, Just a fox. Just a fox. Um, Sly little guy. Yeah. Um. But that Jesus isn't going to put up with it. And then you catch this this beautiful image again of this blending of, of story parable and in the reality of Jesus saying Jerusalem, Jerusalem, like it feels like this monologue moment from like a Shakespearean kind of mm. play, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to you. And we know Jesus is getting closer and closer mm. to arriving. Yeah. How often I have wanted to gather your people just as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you didn't want that. Um, Look, your house is abandoned, I tell you, and you won't see me until the time comes when you say blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Mm. But there's just, it, it. that's not like a normal conversation. Right, <laughs> right. Jesus right. is just turned, but there's it's this, a Shakespearean lament almost. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In this moment, um, 
and in it where I think you also have to lift up that that Jesus has the same kind of care, just as he's told us earlier in chapter 13 of wanting to care for this fig tree. Now he's using the image, this very mothering image of a hen caring for her chicks. Of That's the way I want to care for Jerusalem, a characteristic of God. Yeah. Well, and, and Jesus wants to care for Jerusalem. And, and as we see in Luke over and over again, he also wants to expand that circle of care, yeah. right? That's part of what's getting him in trouble with the Pharisees over and over again, right? That's part mm-hmm. of why they're going, you know, hey, Pilate wants to get rid of you. Won't you just go away? Uh, because, you know, he is he has come for, for all people, right? Not just for the good, fancy pants religious people. Right, not for the people who check all the boxes, but to really expand that and expand it outward, that circle of care. Yeah. Um, and, and I love the intersection of that circle of care and joy mm-hmm. that we find in, in chapter 15. Okay. I, I love that, just that intersection place where Jesus says, I care enough that we're not going to give up, but there's also going to be incredible joy in the face of it. Um, chapter 15, for those of you who are, who are reading along, begins with once again... Uh, the Pharisees and legal experts be getting grouchy with Jesus mm-hmm. for hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. Yeah. If you notice that this happens over and over again in Luke, you have noticed well, <laughs> it happens again and again and again. It's like a frying pan to the head. You get it the first time, but you really get it the 18th time. And and they begin to push on him and, and, and wrestle with him and go, why? We've told you that this is wrong. You've seen that this is wrong. Why do you keep doing it? And he launches in this threefold uh, pattern of stories, right? Mm-hmm. The the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the prodigal son. And, and what these are fairly familiar stories, but one of the things that jumps out to me that I think is, is incredible in it is it, it's not just that, you know, in the parable of the lost sheep, the shepherd leaves in search of the one, leaves the 99 in search of the one. And it's not just that the woman searches for the one that coin that is lost. It's not just that the father welcomes the son home, the repentant son home after they've wandered yeah. away and spent all the money, but the joy that is there, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just of a, okay, fine, you came back, you're sorry, I, I get it. But there's like power and joy and excitement, and and that is that is remarkable in many ways, right? Or at least it is. To me, that it reminds me of that joy that we see in, in everyday life when expectations are shattered, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's March Madness season right now, right? <laughs> and and my bracket died last night, so I'm kind of sad. Um, I so, love it. Yeah, I, love, I love when the bracket dies. That means it's interesting. No, Duke <laughs> lost. Zion lost. Um, my bracket died. Um, but that's okay. April's bracket died too, so we're just all kind of sad. Nobody, <laughs> um, but that's okay. But have you ever noticed that, like, when we're watching March Madness, we're never rooting for for the top seeds, right? We're never rooting for the team that's supposed to win. Yeah. Last year, Virginia was a one seed, right? And this year, as a one seed, they made the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Last year, as a one seed, they lost to a sixteen seed. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And did you see the joy mm-hmm. that the 16 seed had when they beat Virginia? Yeah. I mean, it was just sort of overwhelming and overflowing. If Virginia had won that same game, it's kind of like, meh, it's all good. Right. 
but that joy that happens when the unexpected happens, right? The joy that happens, um, I think, is, is a function of our expectation. When, when you think about your life as a parent, right? The very first time your child takes steps, you've got Eddie, every video camera in the house trained on that child, <laughs> right? You've got everybody within earshot going, hey, guess what's happening? Look at this. Amazing. Right? Mm-hmm. You document that forever. It's incredibly joyful. The first words they speak are welcomed with incredible joy. But in their time, maybe in their middle twos or early threes, where you cease celebrating every one of those steps and you cease celebrating every word that comes out of their mouth and as they're running away from you and yelling at you. Uh-huh. Yeah. And maybe just maybe you just would like them to sit down and be quiet for a little bit. <laughs> but by then, what was once the extraordinary is the ordinary. Mm-hmm. And the joy is found in that extraordinary. Right? And so when Jesus tells these stories of going out to find the one lost sheep, it's not, I don't think to diminish the 99 that are good and faithful, not running away sheep, right? But the expectation is that when you go to find one single lost sheep, you're not going to find... I mean, when you think about trying to find... I mean, literally find a sheep in the midst of a big, wide-open, grassy space. I know I'm a city boy. But I think my chances of finding 99 are a whole lot easier than finding one, Mm -hmm. right? But finding the one, the violation of expectation brings incredible joy to it along the way. Um, and I think our regular encounter of these stories, because they're ones that are radically familiar, we can miss that joy. Mm-hmm. That was actually something that I wanted to ask you all, and I want to spend some more time on before we move away from that, is what is the danger of hearing these stories too often? Hmm. We can make up our mind what they, you know, capital M mean. Mm. And, and you know, I, I often say, uh, and I say I often say this, I, I stole it from someone else who said it, who I don't remember their name. So I, I often steal this line from <laughs> it has someone been said. Oh. Uh, who, you know, who says, you know, we don't read the Bible, the Bible reads us. Mm. And to me, that's that, that's, again, that's that mindset of yeah. when we read the Bible, are we allowing it to, to kind of search our own brains? And uh, these stories come alive in so many different ways, depending on where we are in our life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we, read, when we read the prodigal, the story of the prodigal son, we can, you know, sometimes find ourselves identifying with different characters within the story yeah. each time we read it. And so, you know, that's, it's that, at, so the danger to me is is when we, you know, read through a story one time, say, well, this is its capital M meaning can't mm-hmm. mean anything else different than this. Uh, then we kind of we kind of kill the story. A story stops being a story when we've decided it's done telling us things. See, for for me, and I think ours are interconnected. My response: the danger yeah. of hearing a, a familiar story too often, and it may be that because of the rigidity of our understanding of meaning. I think it can lead to apathy, right? We lead to those mm-hmm. Charlie Brown moments where it's like, wah, 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 wah. we know how this story ends. I don't need to pay attention. There's mm-hmm. nothing new yeah. coming from this today, right? right? If we've got the capital M meaning already to establish, we've agreed to it, we've signed a piece of paper that says we assent to whatever the, the collective body uh, says it means, 
then that creates a space of apathy, mm-hmm. right? Where you reach the place where you go, why do I even bother engaging this? Because yeah. nothing new is going to come. Yeah. Nothing's going to pop. I know what it means, and that's good enough. And you're right. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. When you have that attitude, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you're right. You're, it's a, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens when we approach these stories saying, show me something new? Mm, yeah. Thank you for joining us today on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm non-Pastor Michael. We hope and pray that you found us fairly easily. We'd love for you to like us and review us on iTunes and share this with anybody who you think would be edified by hearing it. Uh, We also, again, would love to have you be a part of the conversation. Shoot us an email, uh, comment on the church's Facebook page. We'd love to be in conversation with you this Lenten season as we gather, grow, and go together. And now that we've gathered in conversation today, here's your way to grow. As you encounter God's story through Holy Scripture, we pray that you would encounter it with fresh eyes, with a fresh heart, so that you might see yourself as a part of God's grand story of love for humanity this week. And then go with this benediction, a blessing that's meant to be lived out this week. May you go knowing that no matter where you are in the midst of your Lenten season, that the master storyteller, the great intervener, the cultivator, the breaker in of the upside down kingdom is with you. May you go knowing that no matter where you find yourself, that there will be great joy and celebration every time you are found again. May you go in peace. Amen.